Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to the Week 8 Picks Pod, The Call. I'm Joe, the keeper of the reel, at BMADFTS on Twitter. This is my co-host, Alex. How's it going, Joe? Have you back for another week? You guys can find me at I underscore like underscore sports six on Twitter. Is that six for Baker? It is. <laughs> I knew it. All right. Well, I couldn't there it, just I like sports wasn't available, so I had to put a number on it and six felt fitting. Well, speaking of things that are mildly disappointing, we uh, we had our second losing week out of seven this past week on the pod picks. And I already alluded to it on the early week pod, but uh we were minus 2.14 units, bringing our year-to-date total to plus 7.48 units, 57.14%, and a 15% ROI. All good numbers, but how dare we have a second losing week out of seven? Yeah, especially because it's overall not bad. The The year-to-date numbers are pretty solid still, so we're not going to freak out, but... But yeah, it it hurts to lose over two units, especially because we didn't just lose. We we lost a bit. Yeah, I, we made a mistake in having Carolina as our best bet. I, I feel very stupid, but, but I really liked that bet when I made it. And yeah, I mean, we, we already addressed it, but you, we just can't bet on Sam Darnold. Yeah, no. And then New Orleans, uh, we recorded last pod before that game ended. It's almost like God wanted to get us as close. It was edgy. God wanted to get us as close to a cover as possible without giving us the cover. Because when when New Orleans is going to kick the field goal to ensure us losing our bet, we get the amazing offsides penalty for the first down. And you're like, oh, now they're going to get the touchdown and they're going to cover. And then the Saints go hyper conservative and kick the field goal anyway. And then on the very last play, Geno Smith goes for the fourth straight sack to give us the safety and the cover. And there were two clear holdings in the end zone, but the refs understandably just wanted to let him throw the ball away and leave. Uh, that said, like, I, it's not a bad beat. It was just we got cocky and took a bad number on a game we shouldn't have in the weather. And, uh, yeah, one a good week. This week will be better. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not too much we can say about it at this point. It, we missed on some stuff. We, uh, we didn't factor in a couple things we should have factored in. But on to the next week. And with that said, do you want to go ahead and jump into the first game of week eight, the Thursday night game? The Green Bay Packers going to play the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are minus six and a half. Yeah, so um, I've got some mixed messaging on this. Uh, <laughs> talking about things getting better. I put $4,000, which is four of my units, on the Packers, uh, half money line, half spread, two hours before Devontae Adams was listed as out, uh, which feels really good. I felt as if I had just lost that bet the second that that news came out. But I've done the thinking, and it's not just rationalization at all. My math tells me that I still think the Packers should be two-point favorites in this game. Really? Take me through that, because I... I didn't make anywhere near the size of your bet. I made one a one-unit bet on the Packers spread about 15 minutes before the Devontae news came out, so that hurt a little bit, but only one unit. However, I was like, oh, man, I should have cashed out, or I was already looking to cash out. So why why are you still confident? Okay, so we're missing Devontae Adams. He's a very good receiver. I think he's a little overrated. I thought he was a little overrated before I knew that he moved the spread of a fucking football game by three points, which is outlandish. But first of all, the best wide receiver in the NFL, Tyreek Hill, should not move a line more than two points, period. Um, second of all, I don't think that Devontae Adams is in that echelon. I think he's good. 
I think he's really good. I think that the Packers scheme helps him. I think that Aaron Rodgers is very comfortable with him, which accentuates his value. But behind him, even without Lazard, which actually was even more demoralizing than Adams to me, uh, because my first thought was like, oh, Lazard will just have a huge game. Lazard's gone too. But they still have Randall Cobb, who's a good slot. Even at this age, he's a good slot, and Rodgers is very comfortable with him. They have Amari Rodgers, who's another good slot, and Rodgers is very comfortable with him. They have Equinemius St. Brown, who's finally healthy and has shown whenever he's been used, he has not been used, like at all. But whenever he has been used in the NFL, he has looked very good. He looks every bit DK Metcalf with injury problems and usage problems. They also have Robert Tanyan, Bob Tanyan, who's a good tight end. And then two really good running backs, a good offensive line, and they're playing against a Cardinals defense that I think is massively overrated. So anyhow, if we if we assume, I assume that the Packers have an A- minus receiving core when perfectly healthy. If we assume that Lazard's not playing, and we assume that Devontae Adams is not playing, and we assume that Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't playing, and he still could play. MVS might come off the IR and play. He's a great deep threat. He's not much else, but he's very tall and very fast, and sometimes he catches. Assuming no MVS, Lazard, or Adams. I have that as what? Let's be really critical and call that a C receiving core. Sure. Yeah, I think that's fair. I plug a C receiving core into my algorithm, which we know I don't take as gospel, but I take it as informative. And that moves the line one point, actually a little less than one point. Because when you have, yeah, I, think... it, I mean, when, you, when you're elite at every area of the offense and your quarterback, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is not elite, but he's still good. Missing a couple of wide receivers when you have great depth is not the end of the world. Yeah, I think the the line move to six and a half is probably an overreaction. I don't feel good about having three or three and a half, whatever I ended up getting. Um, Now, I'm still in it, and I'm because I agree with you in that the Packers definitely still have a chance to win this game, especially J.J. Watts out. Which is helpful. But, yeah, it is. Um, And you have David Bakhtiari back. That's so iffy, the but like right you you should have him back at least you're probably going to have him and Marquez Valdez scaling back right and I think that it, that helps them out a lot because Bakhtiari on top of being a big on play improvement or on field improvement it, I think also just makes Rodgers a lot more comfortable that's yep. that's his body that's his guy that's been in all pro form for years so he trusts the hell out of him and I think that'll make him more comfortable and make up for some of the receiving. Uh, disadvantage. I still don't like it at three. I would probably actually like it at six and a half. And oh, I, I fucking I'm tempted hate three to... now because I lost a field goal of closing line value. But if you were just telling me I could bet this at whatever line I think is fair, and you get told me three and a half is probably fair, I'd say you're stupid, and I would take three and a half. Fair enough. Sorry, you're not betting more though, are you? Uh, I did throw one more unit on Packers money line plus two hundred and ten. So okay, I have five so grand on this game. You're, you're really in. Okay. I'm tempted with this number because I do think it's an overreaction to go again. I might put him into a parlay where I buy him down to like seven and a half. Well, if you wait, you might get seven. Right before game time, I think it's going to seven. Yeah. So I'm, I might wait on it as well. I'm not going to put as many units as you are. I know you probably wouldn't have put that many on, but I still think we, we get, we're getting value in the overreaction to the wide receiver news and just I think the Packers are probably pretty accurately rated right now, but the Cardinals are overrated. So there's not actually a, a difference between these teams, really. I think that the Cardinals are so massively overrated in so many facets. Can I can I do it real quick? Can I say all the areas that they're overrated? Yeah, run through. I mean, we're talking about their game. Let's start quarterback. People are talking about Kyler Murray as an MVP candidate, right? 
I have him as middle of the fucking pack. He's the luckiest quarterback in the NFL right now. And it's not even always necessarily because he's throwing picks that are dropped, although that happens. It's also because he's fumbling and recovering his own fumbles. It's also because he just hasn't had to do much because they play the Texans. Nobody has to do anything. They play the Browns and the Browns give them the ball on turnovers deep in the Browns territory three times. The game was over before it started. Kyler never got leverage. Like, Kyler just hasn't been asked to do much. He played well against the Rams, but not great. The Rams just kind of couldn't fucking get going in time to be there for the game. I don't think that this Cardinals team is even close to that elite echelon, and I think that the Packers are squarely in the good echelon. So I, I think that I have arguably the better team. At the least, I have a team that is comparable, and I am betting against the massive hype and the massive overreaction right now. I think the Packers win this game. I really do. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Packers win this game because I agree with you that the, the Cardinals are overrated. And I, I, you got to take me through who, where else you think they're overrated after this. But this they are comparable teams. I think once you have Lazard and Devontae out, then it moves to the Cardinals are better. They're not six and a half points better at this point, especially with J.J. Watt out. So I think there's value at that point. And yeah, go ahead, go ahead and take me through where you, where exactly you think they're overrated, though, beyond quarterback. I'll do the really easy one, and it's just the defensive line, because Chandler Jones had that five-sack game week one. Who did they play? They played the Giants? No, it was uh, the Titans. He embarrassed the hell out of yes. Taylor Luan. Yes, he embarrassed or hurt Taylor Luan, and it just looked terrible. And the entire Titans team just looked out of sorts and terrible in that game, and they haven't looked that way since. So he has the five sacks then. He hasn't had a sack since. He hasn't even recorded multiple pressures in a game since. He missed yeah, one and I know he's been out for two weeks now. Was, or, was it two? Ooh. I think it was two because you missed the Browns game yeah. and then he missed last week. Um, this is true. But yeah, I, he he has disappeared a little bit. I noticed that just because I pay attention to the sack numbers with Miles and Clowney because they're both productive early on. And, you know, Chandler Jones is at the top of the board for the first few weeks because he had that five set game. But then I noticed, but then I didn't, he just dropped off and I wasn't sure if it was because Miles and other people were picking him up like crazy but I wasn't sure what happened then I looked yeah he he hasn't gotten any and obviously missing games hurts but he he might not be quite the uh the crazy presence that people were making him out to be after week one he's still very good Chandler Jones is great but he's not a a game breaker I don't even think that he's the guy that he was a couple years ago when he was last healthy though I think that he's good now He's, he's an older power rusher who's playing linebacker edge. Like, it, it's not going to age well. And then on the other side, typically, not this week, but typically they have J.J. Watt, who's a great name, but he's been very average. He's been a solid defensive end this year. Like, PFF has him as like a 78, which is fine. It's not J.J. Watt. And he's hurt now. So Zach Allen's going to play, and he sucks. Former BC Eagle, but he has nothing. He's a hustle player. I... <laughs> So their defensive line is thought of as scary, and in reality, it's fine. Remember in the preseason when we were talking about how terrible this secondary might look? Yes. Well, they've looked a lot better than that since, right? Mm-hmm. I am going to implore you to ask me which team they faced that really stressed their corner. I mean, the Rams should have. The Rams did. And then Stafford just missed throws. Like, So here's their schedule. Tennessee with both wide receivers banged up. I think they played, but they didn't play well, and Tennessee just looked terrible. Just throw yeah, that out. Uh, you, like, I think we can all agree that if they played that game again tomorrow, it doesn't end the same. I agree with you, yeah. So they played Minnesota. It was a coin flip and a half game. Minnesota's passing offense is meh. 
Minnesota's passing offense looked awesome against the Cardinals. People were talking about Kirk Cousins' MVP after week two because of how he played against the Cardinals. Jacksonville. L.A. we talked about. L.A. has very average receivers, but a very good coach and a very good quarterback. And the very good quarterback played like very much dog shit that day. So I guess they held up, but really they just were the beneficiary of a malfunctioning staffer. San Francisco with Trey Lance. Is that going to test your corners a lot? No. No, neither did Tim Tebow. Cleveland, the game was over before it started, and Baker was really, really, really hurt. I. Yeah, I mean, he 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 was very hurt in that game. He did not look right. I mean, he hasn't looked right for a while, so. And predominantly their defensive plays came off of busted protections because James Hudson was playing and he should not be in the NFL. Like, it wasn't yeah. that Baker was, like, not able to find open dudes. It wasn't that dudes couldn't get open. It was just that shit went haywire right away. I, I did see that the Browns weren't great at beating man coverage that game. So they weren't getting open like crazy, but they were open because there were a lot of plays where, you know, obviously Browns I pay more attention to. They went and watched breakdowns of that game. And there were a lot of plays that guys were open. Mm-hmm. They, they struggled a little bit against man, but they're, I mean, their secondary is fine. I don't think they're terrible like we thought they were going to be, but they're not really good like they're grading out right now either. Well, people are talking about them as one, having an elite secondary, and two, having one of the best defenses in the NFL. Neither of those are even remotely true. I think this is a league average defense. I think their secondary is okay. And this is the first time they're going to be tested. And no, Green Bay doesn't have awesome receivers, but I would contend that Green Bay's remaining receivers are about as good, if not better, than what the Rams have. Like, Cooper Cup is a better, he's a better player at the same position as Randall Cobb, but it's not leaps and bounds. Cup is really good. Randall Cobb is good to find. Like, the difference between Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola was never that big either. It's a slot. Yeah, I just struggle. I I worry that, like, you need those, those big plays to kind of break their confidence or bust it open for your own team and get it going. And yeah, in your example, like Cooper cup is, he's a good receiver. He's a really good slot, but he's also an incredible system with a great quarterback. And that does a lot of the work for you. So Randall Cobb, not as good as Cooper cup. He's older. He's a little beat up, but he's still in a good system with a good quarterback and a good line. And he's trusted. He is. So I don't think it's a huge difference, but it could be a difference in that a play that Cooper Cup might be able to go break for you and take 60 yards. Randall Cobb might get tackled, and then it's only an eight-yard gain. And that's fair. But now we look at the outside where the Rams are trotting out Van Jefferson, and the Packers have Marquez Valdez scaling. I'm going to take MVS every time. For the exact reasons you just stated, he's explosive, whereas Van Jefferson is the least explosive. And then you've got Equinemius St. Brown, who I promise you is DK Metcalf, just without the reps. He's just not getting the opportunities. Every time he does, he looks awesome. In college, he was as good or better. I would say better than DK Metcalf. Big, fast, strong. Constantly hurt because his dad and him don't believe in stretching. Weird fucking guy. I have it on. I have a buddy who used to play for the Packers, and apparently Equinemius is a really cool guy. A really like open-minded, nice, funny guy, but strange because his dad emotionally crippled him. Anyhow, that's your little insider tidbit for the day. Anyhow, I. <laughs> I think that to the extent that the Rams could move the ball on Arizona, Green Bay will be able to. I think that Stafford is better than Rodgers, but he certainly didn't play like it on that particular day. Due to no fault of Arizona, he's just missing throws. And I think when you add all these things up, like if I could go back, I would bet on LA to beat Arizona all over again. And for the same reasons, I'm still in on the Packers. To a lesser degree, but still in on the Packers. And I'm catching three and a half. I got the hook. Yeah, I mean, now it's six and a half too. And so as as far as the... 
for the pod pick, it will be a six and a half. Yes. The only question is, do we make that a double bet or a single? I would say a single just because as much as we think the the Packers should be able to overcome this, we don't know. And Rodgers may, where he has that security blanket in Devontae Adams when he needs a big play, he might not have it now. So there, there is a still a large opportunity for the Cardinals to go out and just beat them down. They go score a couple quick and then Rodgers gets frustrated and the game falls apart. So I think we keep it at one. We'll keep it at one for now, but know that I protest. I want to put two or three units on it. We, yeah. Okay. We'll come back because yes. we, we probably won't have too, too much else going on, but we can go on to Sunday and get into the first game, which is the Carolina Panthers going to play the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are minus three. So this is one of those games where it's not actually any good, but it's going to be good. It's the same as Atlanta versus Miami last week, where these teams are interesting. They're both, well, Carolina is well coached, whereas Atlanta is talented in some areas. Um, Carolina has a defense that I think is still impressive. And um, we were wrong last week. Stefan Gilmore waited one extra week to play, but he will be playing this week, which is a bummer because he was supposed to play last week. Um, that means that Carolina's defense is going to have two legitimate corners again and a I don't want to say great, but a very effective pass rush. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Like Brian Burns is not a good edge rusher, but he's awesome at being an athlete and working stunts and, you know, delayed blitzes. So Carolina's defense is fun and good. Atlanta's offense, when they choose to throw, is fun and good. All of they have been throwing a lot lately too. They've been running that Ryan. They figured it out. And Arthur Smith, his week one was really, really upsetting and disappointing. But since then, he's slowly put the pieces together. The defense is bad, and Dean Pease hasn't fixed everything because apparently he's not a panacea. But this game is tough. I I kind of like the Falcons. I do but, too. But the return of Stephon Gilmore scares me a little. Mm-hmm. However, Sam Darnold has been playing so bad recently. He's got, he's what, not, five he's, picks in the last three games? He's going to play a quarter and a half. Unless the Panthers are rolling, P.J. Walker comes in. And P.J. Walker is a classic case of he does impressive things. He has a live arm. He is quick and he is fairly fast. I don't know if he is smart enough to really take over as a like full-time quarterback and run a legitimate offense. I don't know. I don't think he is or I think he would have by now. Yeah, just from what I've seen of him in – did he play in the AAF or the XFL? He played AAF. Okay. So I watched him a handful of games that because he was, like, the best quarterback in the league. It was him and Garrett Gilbert, I think. And oh boy. he looked he looked solid. It, a lot of what you just talked about where he can move around, he can make plays with his legs, but he's got a pretty solid arm. But you're right. He doesn't, he doesn't read defenses at least consistently enough because he – the plays in the AF where he would miss, it was he just didn't see what was happening. And we've only seen more of that in the NFL with him playing where, you know, it's backup spots and preseason and things like that. So it's not full game plans where he's given the reins and he's the starter and everything, but he's just not consistent enough. He makes those really exciting plays, but they just seem to be too far and uh, few, but too few and far between to count on. Sorry, I got a little distracted because Evgeny Kuznetsov just got 
cross-checked in the face. No penalty, of course, because it's the Red Wings. Um, sorry about the hockey break. Um, no, I agree. I don't want to trust P.J. Walker, and I don't want to bet on Carolina after they just embarrassed me last week. I guess we can chalk it up as a maybe and come back to it because I do think that there's an angle on this game. Like, it, it's the way that the NFL has been the last few weeks, it's been rare that you find a game that is competitive and has a manageable spread. So I don't want to just piss on this one, but I think for now we have to move on. Yeah, I agree with you, especially because it's still the Falcons and they still seemingly go into the last minute of every game with it up for grabs and it's purely from their own decisions. So, yeah, I don't love betting on them, but I agree with you. We have a close number. I think we have some value here. So we'll table it and come back. But for the next game, we have the Cincinnati Bengals going to play the New York Jets. The Jets are plus 10 and a half. Man, this game just fucking sucks. Like, yet another game where you can't in good conscience bet on either side of this game because the Bengals are overrated and the Jets are probably going to be starting somebody that they see in New Jersey on the way to the stadium at quarterback. I think they announced that Mike White is starting. Zippity fucking doodah. I think the person that they saw on the way to the stadium will have would have just as much success as Mike White will. Okay, is it bad to say? I, like, I didn't grade the whole game, so I don't know. Like, I'm just going off of vague impressions. But Mike White added more juice to the offense than Zach Wilson. <laughs> I think that's an indictment of Wilson more than anything. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that's a, uh, a testament to Mike White being a passable quarterback. I think that's just Zach Wilson is very bad right now. Yeah, no, Zach Wilson is very bad. He He's having a, a tough go of it right now. Remember when everybody was sucking the fucking tip of his penis dry in the preseason because he hit like five curls and two slants in a preseason game against nobody? And everybody's like, oh, he hit eight of nine and he looked great. I was like, why? He, he literally was just like, oh, Corey Davis. Oh, Corey Davis. Oh, Corey Davis. Oh, Corey Davis. That's all he did. I like Corey Davis. He's on my fantasy team. He doesn't I mean, play very much. But he's a decent NFL receiver, and he will, he's from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have Cincinnati Moneyline in one of my parlays, or maybe it's minus three. But other than that, you'd be – yeah, I have Cincy minus three as a leg in a parlay. You'd be silly to do much else with them, though. Yep. Um, same thing. They'll they'll get used as a leg, either money line or teased down to something like the minus two and a half. But beyond that, not touching it. Obviously not betting on the Jets. And I don't want to bet on a double-digit number for the Bengals, who, as we have talked about at length, are overrated and prime for a fall. Should we jump? We should. Next, we have the Los Angeles Rams going to play the Houston Texans. The Texans are plus 14 and a half. I'm, yeah, this is a leg. No, everybody knows the Rams are great. Everybody knows the Texans suck. I don't even know what the hell you're going to say about it. Yeah, I, I have nothing else to to add. The uh, the spread is very big. It should be very big. I, if I had to pick one side, I'd probably pick the Rams. Yeah. But I'm not taking a 14 and a half number. So I'll use them as a leg. Honestly, I might not be able to for certain things. I know they're locked off on parlays for some it was tough, but I did get them down in minus three. So yeah, so we'll we'll see. Probably have to play with it a little bit if you do want to use them, but that's it's really the only use similar to the Bengals game. Use the Rams in a leg, wouldn't bet on them straight up. Next game. Definitely. Next we have the Miami Dolphins going to play the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are minus 14. I have Bills minus three as a leg, and I think it's the exact same thing as the last two games. Yeah, I and mean, we we honestly could just like copy and paste the audio from the Bengals game and then just 
do voiceovers of the team names because exactly the same thing. The Bills are much better. They they should win this game by a lot. But 14 is a humongous number, and I'm not going to use 14. Next game. Next game, a number in the single digits. We have the Philadelphia Eagles going to play the Detroit Lions. The Lions are plus three and a half. Oh, fuck. Last time I saw this, it was Lions plus three, and I was already looking at Lions. Do I like the Lions plus three and a half? Do you? Game win number one? I think I do. I think I like it. Tell me, tell me why I shouldn't like it. The Lions are really, really bad, and Jared Goff is also bad. Like, the Eagles are a bad team that I think are – I mean, they're they're going to put Gardner Minshew in pretty soon here, it seems like. So they're – I mean, they're, they're in turmoil. It seems like people are already starting to turn on the coach. Things are not going well. So they're also a really bad team, but, man, it's tough to bet on the Lions, who are 0-7 and seem like they find ways to lose games. Well, we got the better coach, which I never thought I would be saying, but Dan Campbell's a better coach than Nick Sirianni. I mean, I'm not shocked that that's the reality. Not but you agree it's the reality? Me. What's that? You agree it's the reality? Yeah. I, Dan Campbell is better. I'm not shocked about it, mainly because I didn't think Nick Sirianni would do anything. That's fair. But Dan Campbell has been much better than I thought he was. I thought it was going to be a lot of just we're going to – you know, what his, what his press conference has sounded like. But they've actually played relatively smart, aggressive football that hasn't been stupidly aggressive. No, I like what they've done. I think that they actually scheme it up pretty well on defense. That's my calendar telling me that the Blackhawks are playing. But uh, I don't know. Okay, I got the better coach. I got the better quarterback. Is that arguable? I think that's better than Hurts. I agree. So I've got the better quarterback and the better coach. I've got the team that wants to win more. Um, Nick Sirianni is giving strange rambling press conferences, similar to what my drunken hobo uncle used to give to himself. And it's in Detroit. I'm getting three and the hook. This is a team. Okay, basically, Detroit would have covered this line against Baltimore, almost, almost Los Angeles, uh, Minnesota. Fuck it. That's three teams right there that, that are so much better than the Eagles. And we know one thing about the, the Lions. We might not know how good they are. We might not know how stable Dan Campbell's good coaching is, but we know they're always going to be aggressive. They're never going to lay back and play prevent. They're never going to sit back and say, fuck it, we got a six-point lead. Let's just hold them to a field goal. They're going to come after your ass. And I really love their defensive system so far. It's a lot of robber and a lot of press and just a lot of making things difficult and confusing on the quarterback. I could legitimately see... The Eagles getting shut out. I think that this week is the week we see Gardner Minshew, and I don't think it's much better. Yeah, I'm taking Lions. Fair enough. I my only concern here is you you did a pretty good job of convincing me that the Lions were the smart X's and O's play. But I worry about the Lions having the game they did last week that had to take a lot from them emotionally. I mean, they ran 17 trick plays. They were relatively in it, you know in a emotionally charged game with playing, you know, Stafford versus golf, the, the revisiting the trade that just happened. And Stafford was in Detroit with a lot of these guys last year and potentially for a lot of years before that. So Detroit might be kind of beaten down, exhausted after that game. Now I think Dan Campbell, if there's one thing I know he's good at, it's good at getting his guys ready. So I worry less, but that is something that I would be concerned about. And well, since I'll probably end up at the Lions as well. I will be concerned about throughout that game 
or especially at the start of if they come out flat because they're just exhausted from that Rams game. You know why they won't be? One, they haven't won a game yet. And two, their bye is next week. So Dan Campbell just gave a whole talk about how this is the perfect time for them to get their first win. And it's a very important game because the entire season is different if they get a bye week after a win. That's fair. I, I think it could equally be guys are looking forward to the bye week. You know, they, they just had this big emotional game. Now they're playing another shitty team and they're about to get to go sit at home with their family for a week. They're a winless team and they have a chance to actually win a game. They're winless not going to get a chance game. like this very often. Winless is a good argument because I remember how hard the Browns would play, even with Hugh Jackson, who they all hated. They hated him. Now imagine and that they love him. And this is one of like three teams that the Lions can legitimately beat. How do they squander that opportunity? All right, let's add the Lions. You, you've convinced me. I already added the Lions because I knew I would. I'm, I feel like I need to fight you more then. <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely not adding a second unit to Green Bay now. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to add to this game or you want to go to the next? I'm kind of excited to see where the analysis of the next game takes us. Uh, me too. I have no idea where, where it's going. But oh, let, let, Let's switch it up for this one. For the next game, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns minus three and a half. So my initial thought is Browns. Same. With whether Baker plays or Case Keenum plays, I think the Browns are just a much better team. Obviously, I'm waiting to see the final injury report because I know Clowney didn't practice. There were they've had a couple other guys, you know, they're wondering to see if Chubb's going to be back, if Conklin's going to be back, how healthy Wills is. They just have a lot of question marks on important players. Conklin but is playing. Conklin looks like he's going to play. Chubb looks like he's going to play. They're going to take so, out that rich homie Earn? No, because they don't have Kareem still, so it'll just be Earn as the the change of pace guy. He'll still get plenty of touches. Any 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 touch that Chubb gets instead of Earn is lost points. Chill out. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> but so the Browns should be getting healthier. They're talent-wise a much better team than the Steelers. If Clowney and Miles and Malik Jackson, because they're all guys that are on the injury report. No, Miles is practicing. But if they all play, they should be able to absolutely ruin the Steelers' day because their offensive line is horrible. Ben yep. is not doing well with, you know, moving around and getting the ball out in weird situations like he – you know, has been able to do most of his career. And the Browns are healthy at corner. Whether they use them the right way, we'll see. But they have relatively good depth between four guys that you can put on the field at corner of Ward, Newsom, Greedy, and Troy Hill. That even though the the Steelers are kind of or have a little bit of depth at wide receiver and they spread it out to a lot of different guys, I think the Browns have good personnel to play with them. But the reason I'm not immediately jumping on this bet is because it might be Case Keenum. And if it's not, it's going to be a very hurt Baker Mayfield. Baker says he feels much better, but if it was up to him, he would have played the Thursday night game too. And he would have been like, no, I feel fine. He's saying whatever he can to play. And I know it's clips from practice and who really knows. But Baker looks like he's tucking the hell out of his left arm when he's throwing. And so, well, I don't think that's going to affect every play and he's going to be terrible missing guys left and right. It's going to affect throws and he's going to miss on a couple of things that he shouldn't miss on and doesn't miss when he's normal Baker. It will neuter his ability. 
Right. And they might turn into, because it is the Steelers, and we know they play good position and get a lot of lucky picks, that they might go and pick him off two times. And he might fumble another time because he's trying to protect himself or play hero ball or whatever. So I could very easily see the Steelers defense being really aggressive and hurt Baker or just not very good case Keenum kind of tanking the offense because we know the Steelers are going to come out and say, beat us in the pass game. We're going to put eight guys in the box and you have to throw to beat us. So that's where I worry and don't know if I should trust Baker, especially at three and a half. Three and a half is tough, but I do already have money. Like on Monday, I bet Browns minus three, which I like, especially because, okay, a little disclosure on Baker. So what he has in his shoulder, it was separated, which is painful. I've had a lot of separated shoulders. It sucks, but it's fine. Like it is what it is. What is more troublesome is the fact that he's got the fractured uh, socket basically on his arm. So I had a very similar thing just last year in my elbow. And all that it means is that there's a little split as if somebody took a little chisel or like wood splitter and hit it one time on the end of the bone that goes into the socket, right? And all that it does is it basically just, it makes it so that the the bone doesn't rotate properly in the socket. And when I had mine for the first week, I literally couldn't move mine at all. Like my arm was locked in an L and that was it. But after a week, I felt a lot better. And I very distinctly remember, I was like, I was telling my girlfriend, like, yeah, I feel a lot better. We can go for a hike today. It'll be fine. And I went to put on my backpack. And when I swung it over the shoulder with the broken elbow, I just grazed it like the teeniest bit, like a gossamer's touch, an infant's kiss. And the pain was so excruciating. I lost my breath and almost fell down from from a backpack strap grazing my elbow. Now imagine that you are getting crushed by 260 pound men. Now he'll be on Tortorol, which is lovely. The vitamin T will help, but it won't, it's not a cure. And even if he feels fine, like pain wise, he just won't physically have that much mobility in his left shoulder, which will throw off his sense of balance. I think the best you can hope from Baker this Sunday, assuming he plays, I think the best you can hope for is okay. You, if yeah. he gives you a B minus, you're thrilled. You're like, yes, he did it. He's got it. Yeah, if he's the guy that everyone says he is, which is just game manager, take what you give him and never really do anything special but not screw up, the Browns win this game. Mm-hmm. I don't and think I, Case Keenum's capable of being that guy either, by the way, because he tried to throw two picks against Denver and he just didn't get lucky enough. Yeah, he's, he's still just not very good. And it, when you play Case Keenum, you don't have to have anyone go deeper than 25 yards because he cannot throw beyond 25 yards. So there, you know, they're already going to be playing close to the line, trying to say beat us. If you have Case Keenum in where you can't stretch them down the field at all, they're going to be able to have all 11 guys within like 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And I don't trust Case in that situation. I think he he can take some of what you give him, and then it's just a hope of which defense can score points, and hopefully it's the Browns. So if Case plays, I'm not betting on this. If Baker plays, I'd probably tease Browns down, but I would have to wait and see who else is playing for the Browns and who else is playing for the Steelers just because the Browns are very beat up. And they aren't playing super well either. So they make me scared to bet on them in general. So I'm probably a little behind you. I'm not going to, I'm not ready to bet on them yet, but they're going to get thrown in and they'll, they'll probably end up in a leg at worst. All right. I think we've said everything we can say. 
Yeah, I agree. Let's go to the next game. We have the San Francisco 49ers going to play the Chicago Bears. The Bears are plus four. <laughs> this game hurts my gut because my gut is Chicago with plus four because the 49ers suck and I'm getting four at home. Oh, my God. The problem is that Justin Fields is worse than Mitch Trubisky. Like, he's worse than Mitch ever was. He's not playing well. I have him rated as better than Jalen Hurts, and that's not true. Like, he, he, I, I, I just haven't changed it because he's been so bad that I just, like, know I don't have to write it down. I don't have to put it in my algorithm. He's, like, game-wreckingly bad. But I think he's the worst quarterback in the NFL by a wide margin. He's worse than Tua? Is he not? I mean, yeah. And he can do more exciting things, but he also it works, you know, negatively exciting too. Imagine how bad it would be if Justin Fields wasn't the greatest self fumble recoverer of all time. I'm just going to read you the slugging scores of Justin Fields last few games that I've graded. Uh, keep in mind that a negative 10 is usually the border between a D minus and an F. So I'll, I'll read the slugging score and the grade negative 14 and a half D minus that's Tampa Bay week seven week four versus Detroit plus three with a C grade week three versus Cleveland negative 17 and a half F grade one of the worst games I've ever seen anybody play Cincinnati in only a half of a game negative nine F grade I did not grade him versus Oakland or Detroit he was bad versus Detroit he was passable versus Oakland it's he's, so he's bad. been very bad he's been very bad the amazing thing is that, that to change there are guys out there who are still arguing that he's good and that this year doesn't matter and he's still going to be elite and he's going to be a game-changing quarterback. Basically, everybody at PFF got a company-wide memo saying, tell them that Justin Fields is doing fine. And then, like, you know, all the group think on Twitter with all the, like, fake analytica, you know, the people who are analytics dudes, but they, like, they don't actually know how to do it themselves. Because there is no metric that makes Justin Fields look okay. And there were some in college, but you know, Cardale Jones looked like a top five pick for a while at Ohio State. And that's without Ryan Day being the head coach, who's vastly superior to Urban Meyer. You know, fucking, how about this? A lot of the people who really love Justin Fields, based on film study of college, also really, really love Dwayne Haskins. How about that? Does that say anything? They just aren't able to see through the scheme. And the vast talent disparities. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields were slightly different. Oh, very different. But, but similar in that they both did not know what a defense was. Never had to because Ryan Day takes that calculus out of the equation. Okay. I When I was criticizing Justin Fields for being the slowest reader of all time uh, over the summer, one Ohio State fan told me, no, 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 you don't understand. It's because they use a special offensive system based on triangular reads. You should look into it. So I read up on it. And Ohio State does use a triangle read system. It's not that unlike, you know, most spread offenses. Arizona uses, uh, the Cardinals use a variation of it. And uh, Baylor in the Art Bryles days used it. So basically every play that Ohio State runs has two or three receiving options in the same line of sight. And depending on one or two defenders, you kind of know which guy you're going to. Uh, that doesn't explain why Fields took so fucking long to figure it out. Like, he's just stupid. I don't care. I don't care that he could have gone to Harvard on a scholarship. I don't fucking care. He's stupid. Lots of stupid people go to Harvard. I got a buddy who got a fucking full athletic scholarship 
to Harvard for rowing, and he was a B minus C plus student. Don't fucking care. I think that Justin Fields, number two overall recruit, can probably go to whatever school he wants, including Harvard or MIT, because he's so good at football for a college kid. But anyhow, Justin Fields sucks so bad that it, 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 it sabotages what should otherwise be a very easy handicap. Apparently, Carl Mack is also not playing. Yeah, he. I think they're putting him on the IR. Isn't that lovely? Again, my instinct is to bet on the Bears. We have similar coaches, in my opinion. Don't get me started. But like Kyle Shanahan's had one winning season. Matt Nagy's had zero losing seasons. They've been employed the same amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I think it, coach wins is a, a little dangerous to get into. It isn't but, dangerous when your quarterback's Mitch Trubisky. But I, I don't disagree with you that Nagy and Shanahan are pretty similar. I think Shanahan does a better job of the actual head coach duties. Probably. Because I think that's where Nagy – where I think Nagy's a good play caller or builder of an offense. He's just shitty at the – like CEO type responsibilities of delegating work and the interpersonal stuff where I think Shanahan beats him. But when it comes to actual on the field coaching, I think they're pretty similar. I think, I think Shanahan's probably a little better, but I don't think it's much of a difference. I agree with you though, though, Justin Fields just makes this game unbettable. I, I would like the bears as well, but he, I can't trust him. Yeah, no, he's that bad. I, I just changed his grade in my, uh, in my rankings I don't like doing it, but I had to do it. I had to put him down below Hertz. He's a 1.2. Tua is a 1.4. It, it has been a tough year for him. I think it will continue to be tough years unless something clicks in his brain. Unless he starts to play tight end or gets into fucking Greg Roman's offense. He's stupid. He can't fix stupid. Yeah, I mean, like I still wonder because he is apparently very book smart. It's not but... even so much that he's dumb. So much as it just takes him forever to come to his conclusions, and he doesn't have that time in football. Like he's football. Yeah, I, yeah that's what I was gonna say. Is he he might be like a really intelligent dude, but when it comes to football, he he's just not quick enough for it. At least not right now, and he hasn't showed that he's quick enough for it. I still think they should have sat him for the year and just been like, "Here is your remote, and here is the uh, tape room, and this is where you will live for the year." And they just showed him how to break down defenses and then tried him next year. But as long as he's playing, he's not going to figure it out because he's just running to try and survive. So he, I don't think it's going to get better or at least not in a noticeable way or way that leads to wins. And especially not now. I agree. All so right. Despite the fact that we lean bears, we can't touch it and we got to move on. Yep. So the final game of the early slate, the Tennessee Titans going to play the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are minus one. Should I break my rule? Because the Titans are the obvious side. The, the Colts have been so lucky to get on this little win streak. I, I agree with you. The The Titans are the right bet. Wentz had, I think, five uh, turnover-worthy plays that weren't capitalized on last week. Like, I like the Colts, or at least I did. I thought they were underrated, but I think that this is a gross overreaction. When the Titans, like, okay, the Titans' fatal flaw is that they don't have a secondary, right? But the Colts don't go deep. I mean, they did a decent amount last week. They, they, Wentz was chucking some help me balls to uh, Michael Pittman. Yeah, and the combination of the 49ers' terrible secondary – or not 49ers. Yeah, 49ers. Yeah, the combination of the 49ers' terrible secondary and the weather and the flags really helped him. But those balls weren't completable. <laughs> and no, they, they didn't look good. Most of what the Colts do, like by design, Frank Reich's offense is a quick hitter. 
slants, curls, and flats, Josh McDaniels style offense, and then the run game. And they won't be able to run because Harold Landry is a fucking force. I he I've long been the leader of the Harold Landry fan club. I was mad when the Browns didn't take him at four overall in the Baker draft, much less with their second round pick. Luckily they got Chubb, the third best running back on their roster. Well, they should have taken him instead of Austin Corbett, but that's a different argument because they took Austin Corbett before Chubb. Austin Corbett's a decent offensive lineman. He's he's fine now, but yeah. Harold Landry would have been. Harold Landry yeah. would have been special. I mean, don't get me wrong, Clowney is also one of my favorites, and I don't frown at having the third best defensive end in the NFL, but the second best would be better. Um, and yes, I said that. And Miles is first, despite the fact that he's overrated. I don't know how that works out, but it does. Like, so what, you have TJ at four, and you think TJ's wildly overrated? Uh, I guess I didn't notice that I think he's wildly overrated, but I do. I, I think he's overrated. He's good. He's very good. But I think last year was a little bit of an aberration. I don't think he's that hey, guy. TJ Watt's really good. I think he gets a lot of sacks off scheme. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they run a very specific blitz scheme where I call it a, a ratcheting clamp. You know, those, those um, it's not a pliers, but it's a, a vice grip, the vice grip that has the ratchet so you can go wide. That's yeah. basically how, and it's got the straight prong and then the big curved prong. That's how they run their blitz packet, or not even their blitz, it's just their four-man rush. So what they would do is they would have Bud Dupree just run straight ahead and try to push the pocket. And then you would try to get the quarterback to drop back a little bit further while TJ Watt rushes around the outside because the offensive tackle was trained to just push him past. But TJ Watt is agile enough that when he gets pushed past, he can bend that edge and the quarterback drifting back a little bit leads to an easy sack, which is brilliant defensive coordinating, but it doesn't take a genius. Like I think Tack McKinley would be really good in that exact same scheme. And I don't think Tack McKinley is good. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I I, still probably have TJ at, like as my second best rusher. I have him like, he's probably in my top five, top ten. But, but yeah, I, I do think Harold Landry's really good. Jadavian Clowney's really good. You got to put Max Crosby up there, too. He's got, like, 15 more pressures than the other guys. Yeah, I mean, the Bosa's are still really good. I think the Bosa's are overrated, too. But enough defensive They are, but talk. they're still good. I mean, they're not, they're not yeah. top five rushers, but they're top ten rushers. So Tennessee's got Jeffrey Simmons, who has been beating up interior offensive lines like they're a woman who said something bad about his mother. Don't watch that video. And they've got two edges. I mean, Bud Dupree's overrated, but he's an athlete, and that's at least disruptive in the run game. Then we have linebacker. I mean, they've got a lot of linebackers who I thought could be good, none of which became good. And then they've got good safeties who can legitimately fucking thump. So I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, they're going to run a little bit, but I think like we're talking two or three yards of carry. And I don't think they're going to be able to throw deep because it's just not what they do. I think it's going to be a lot of throw short and then allow the, because the Titans really only have safeties left, allow the safeties in their secondary to come up and tackle. Fine. Whereas the Titans offense will not be stopped by the Colts because the Colts can't cover and they also can't stop the run and the Colts really can't play defense. So yeah, I'm going to bet on the Titans. I just decided. I, I really want to. I I might end up doing it and breaking my rule, which will guarantee they lose, but or at least the bet loses. What what is the number three and a half? No, it's one. Um, so yeah, they'll probably lose by two points because Vrabel kicked a field goal when he should have gone for two or something. Um, 
But, uh, man, they have hurt me so much before. You're right, though. The offense is going to really beat up on the Colts. I think the Colts will be able to score because they're going to break some stuff and the, the Titans will miss tackles with their corners that will allow big plays to happen. Or just Michael Pittman will moth someone once or twice. But the Titans are going to be able to score not at will, but close to it. I mean, the Titans can basically score at will on anybody. It's just that Vrabel never wills. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the Titans. I mean, shit, we're we're getting a point, too. Shall we get to the late games? Yeah, let's uh, start off. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to play the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are minus three. Mm-hmm. I don't like saying this, but I think that we kind of have to bet on this. This There's an angle here. I agree with you. I think I like think <laughs> I'm going to leave all that silence in because that that epitomizes how I feel right now. I think that the Seahawks are going to win. Yeah, me too. I like I like the Seahawks because again we go back to Jacksonville's played some games closer. They won a game. Win. Yeah, they got to win. But they're still not a good team. They're still they're horrible a terrible team. team. And the Seahawks, well they're struggling with Geno. The Saints are a, a good team. Are they? Well, they're 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 not good, but they're they're solid. And the Seahawks like just they're they're coached strangely and and Jameis missed some things. They should have scored more. But they had a, a competitive game. I know it was, you know, bad weather, but I don't think that plays into too much for either of those teams right now. I think maybe Jameis hits one of those deep balls, but so it was a close game. Both of those deep balls were accurate. He just got fucked by his receiver. Oh, yeah, he did have two drops, which then, like, that's where, you know, whether if it's not raining, maybe they get one of those catches. But but the Saints are definitely a heck of a lot better than the Jags. And I know we're going to the other side where now we're, we're giving the points away, but it's a humongous difference. Seattle is still at home. And even with Geno, they're, they're, I mean, they're not a good team. They're probably a little below average. But this is the Jags, man. This is the worst second worst team in the league yeah yeah no i man this is tough yeah like i don't feel good about betting on the seahawks but i think it's the right bet trevor lawrence has been playing so well though i trevor lawrence has arrived i mean it's he's not going to be the guy that people think he is he's never going to be like an elite quarterback but he will be pretty good and i think that he's already about there i have him i have him in the top 10 already now is that from purely what you've seen, or are you factoring in the situation that he's overcoming? I mean, it is it is factoring in the situation that he's overcoming because I grade my quarterbacks in a vacuum. So, like, if he went to a good team, if he went to the Chiefs, I think that he would be putting up stats very similar to Patrick Mahomes because I think they're very similar quarterbacks right now. And I'm not saying that I think he's, like, awesome. I don't want to pay him yet, but I don't think he's on, like, Justin Herbert's level. But – I think he's about one step down. I think he's on that Derek Carr level already. And, you know, what Derek Carr actually is, not what everybody's saying he is. So do you think the Seahawks will be able to stop him enough that Geno scoring 17 points is going to be enough? See, I don't think that they could stop Trevor Lawrence enough, but I think they can stop Trevor Lawrence with Urban Meyer. I don't know. I don't. I kind of don't want to touch this game. Yeah, the more we talk about it, I'm actually kind of falling off. Like my initial... Uh, knee-jerk reaction was we hammer the Seahawks but the more we go through it yeah the Seahawks are not good yeah maybe we just lay off I mean we've got some solid games that we like more than this anyway I was about to say I like the next game all right so let's go to that next game we have the New England Patriots going to play the Los Angeles Chargers the Chargers are minus five yep give me Chargers yep same 
Patriots are a bad team. You can tell that they know they're a bad team because of the way that they treated the Jets. Like they ran the score up because they felt like they needed a win. They needed it for their psyche. Um, meanwhile, the Chargers are coming off of a bye. They're a better team. They're at home. They're a better team. They're a better coach team with a better quarterback, with a better offensive line right now. They're a better team. Uh, it's not fucking close. Yeah, I, I think the only reason this number is, you know, under a touchdown is I think a lot of bill on young quarterbacks and Justin Herbert isn't like mentally super mature yet. So is it just hoping that the the Patriots cause problems for him like they've caused problems for other young raw quarterbacks before? I think that so this is a little bit of projecting, but the biggest problem with the Chargers is that they don't throw downfield enough and they kind of limit what Herbert can do because their offensive coordinator is not good. Uh, Joe Lombardi is a bad OC. And frankly, the reason that I know all of the Brandon Staley hype is a little bit bullshit is because he stands by his offensive coordinator that he picked who sucks uh, and is very conservative. They need to throw downfield more. But they just got fucking embarrassed by the Ravens in a game where they refused to throw downfield. And while Justin Herbert is overrated and not quite there yet, despite the fact that I love him and think he will get there. If you look at teams that are similar to the Chargers in caliber, they've all blown out the Patriots or deserved to. The Buccaneers should have won that game by 14 to 17 points if it weren't for drops and bad weather. Even in the bad weather, it was purely drops that kept that game within three touchdowns. Um, so Buccaneers should have blown them out. The Saints did blow them out. Dallas should have blown them out, but for two end zone turnovers that were bullshit, and they still won by six. And the Chargers are a little bit better than Dallas, despite the game that they played against each other. Yeah, I agree with you. The The Chargers are, as you uh, so so aptly noted, a better team in just every facet. Yeah. And yeah, looking at similar head-to-heads, you're 100% right. I know those games were close on the scoreboard, but were not actually close. It shouldn't be close here either. The Chargers should really beat up on them, especially coming off a bye. We've got Chargers... Over Patriots, minus five, one unit? Yeah, one unit. Bam. All right. For our next game, we have what should be a very exciting game to watch. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to play the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are plus six. Now, this game was Saints plus four, like Sunday night. And then the Saints disappointed. So we need to talk about why the Saints are disappointing. I graded that game from Jameis um, because my instinct while watching the game, and I had visitors over so i wasn't paying as much attention as i would usually like uh my instinct during the game was sean payton is fucking up because he is not like yeah i know Jameis is not great but you have to let him fucking do some stuff like let him throw down field you know like yeah he's gonna take really dumb sacks and he's probably gonna throw a pick but you gotta let him try because no matter how you call a game for Jameis, the risk is there right he cannot eliminate it it's not in him like he, he fucks up he does stupid shit but it can be worth it if you let him sling it and be aggressive because he can make those plays, which is why the Bruce Arians offense really unlocked it. Like, yes, protecting Jameis is good. And I agree with Sean Payton's instinct to do that. But I think he's protecting him too much. You need to go downfield still. And he had the two downfield throws and he fucking hit him and they dropped the ball. Keep going to the well. Yeah, I agree with you in that it seems like the usage is strange, but also it seems like Jameis is just struggling. I mean, you go back to that third down play at the end of the game against the Seahawks where he had the screen that would have been a touchdown. Yep. But he just kind of panicked with the guys in his face and then yep. took the bad sack instead. 
he panics a lot yeah and so i understand why sean payton's trying to protect him and i probably would try and protect him a lot as well honestly i don't think it's too bad of a game plan right now because they still are taking some shots and if those shots hit it's a whole other story you know what i mean but if you take too many of them you talk about the arians offense unlocking Jameis, but it unlocked the 30 picks from him too and you know you're Yes, you're going to get more touchdowns if you have not throw downfield, but you're going to have a lot more of the Jameis panic plays where right now he still panics and they're on tight end screen. You know what I mean? Like, let alone if he's got a, a drop where he has to hold the ball for three seconds to let routes get open. So I, I'm still not sold. And I think it might be Jameis is forcing them to play conservative. To that point, I gave Jameis on the game a negative 0.25 grade so he's dacking but 32 percent negative plays 21 percent positive yeah that's rough i mean if you take away those two dime pieces that he threw down the sideline that were dropped on like consecutive plays it's a really bad game but those balls should have been completed and should have been game changers they should have turned a punt drive into a touchdown drive all of a sudden we're covering all of a sudden things are happy so eh, it, it, it it's tough on the other hand, we know that the Saints kind of figured out the Buccaneers last year. And even though they beat them in the playoffs, the Buccaneers really didn't have an answer. It was more so just Drew Brees, Drew Brees played terrible. And Jameis is going to be able to throw those checkdowns and get the yards after catch because the Buccaneers still don't have a secondary and they will continue playing off coverage, which, by the way, makes it all the more disgusting that Justin Fields looks so bad against them. So are you saying you like the Saints in this game? No, I'm saying. I wanted the Buccaneers, but I don't think I can bet on it now. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I like the Bucs. You know, the, the Saints are a solid team. The Bucs are really good. However, I agree with you. The Saints always, or since Tom has been there, the Saints have played the Bucs perfectly. And, you know, early in the year last year, you can chalk it up to the the playbook questions and everything. But you're right in the playoffs. It, it wasn't really the offense connecting and running the game. It was the Saints shooting themselves in the foot. Now, granted. I think that's probably just as likely to happen in this game as it did in the playoffs last year. It would be if it wasn't for the fact that the Buccaneers are trotting out your high school math teacher at cornerback. Yeah, and that's and that's where it gets into you can't bet on those. Yeah, and it's a six-point spread. So whatever you feel, you have to really feel in your nuts, and I don't. Yep, I agree with you. So I I, I like the Bucks in this game, but I can't take it that number. Ready to move on to our final of the afternoon slate? Yeah, this one's going to be a doozy. Oh, yeah, we're I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time on this game. The Washington football team going to play the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are minus three. Dude, I might bet on the Redskins. Really? Dude, think of how fucking far the Broncos have fallen. They really suck. They can't move the ball because Bridgewater is that bad. Yeah, and it seems like they've they're they're throwing the towel in a little bit like already. They they were a team that had postseason aspirations and they're kind of going down the drain and it's not a fixable issue. Your 30-year-old quarterback's not going to suddenly figure it out. Yeah, and the bad 25-year-old isn't either. And they lost all of their wide receivers that had a chance to obviate the quarterback problem. And the secondary is hurt and not playing very well. Darby, I don't know if Darby will even play. And Kyle Fuller either doesn't care about football anymore or is hurt or just the earliest retiree I've ever seen. So yeah, he's, He seems like he went, cool, I'm, I'm getting this check from Vic. And then we'll see what happens next year. It's really upsetting. I, I love Kyle Fuller. I loved him coming out of Virginia Tech. But he's been actively bad this year. 
Yeah. He's not played well for them. Their, their whole defense has underperformed. And when that was supposed to be the thing to bail out their offense, they're, they're just in a really bad spot. And it doesn't help that Vic Fangio is maybe a great defensive coordinator, but he's a bad head coach. So he's not going to be able to pull him out of this. Meanwhile, as much as people have been ragging on the Redskins, their defense is starting to come around. They will get a rush on Teddy or Locke, whoever plays. It doesn't matter that they have no cornerbacks because the Broncos have no receivers left. And Taylor Heineke is not good, but he is at least explosive and good for at least one touchdown drive a game where he looks good. Every every Redskins game this year is Taylor Heineke has one drive where he looks legitimately good and scores a touchdown. And then the rest of the game, he alternates between being and excitingly bad. And they eke out another touchdown with their running game. So there's 14 points. What happens next basically determines if they win or not. I think in this game, they'll get their 14 points. I think they'll probably get another field goal or two. And I don't think that the Broncos are going to score much. I'm not going to bet on this game. I agree with you. The Broncos are in a tailspin and I don't think it's going to get better. And while Washington has been playing better than they were at the beginning of the year, they're still not a good team. You're probably going to end up being right on this bet, but this is just two bad teams. I don't like, I don't feel strongly about either one of them. Both of them can implode on any given day. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. I lean Washington simply because it's the team getting the points in this game, but I'm probably just going to stay away from it, especially because I think I like other stuff that we've already talked about more. I was going to say, you're lucky that we already have four bets that I like, and there's one coming up that I also like. Should we get to it? Yeah, let's go. For the Sunday night game, we have the Dallas Cowboys going to play the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are plus one and a half. Cowboys. I know this line has moved a little bit. I know that Dak, quote unquote, isn't healthy. The Vikings suck. The Cowboys are good. The Cowboys don't need Dak to be good because Dak is very smart, but Dak is not an impressive thrower of the football. And I legitimately think that any of their backups will be able to move the ball because Kellen Moore is that smart and the Vikings kind of suck. Yeah, I bet on the the Cowboys at the beginning of the week. So I'm actually kind of mad because I missed out on a point and a half. So I haven't minus three, but I like the Cowboys even, I think Dak will play, but even if he doesn't, I'm not super worried. I'm a little worried just because... I think the backups are going to panic a little bit more and they won't make the same smart decisions that we've, we can count on Dak for, but they're much better than the Vikings. They have a, a big talent advantage, especially in the playmakers on the Cowboys offense versus the, you know, DBs and linebackers of the Vikings. And yeah, I agree with you. Kellen Moore is going to get that offense moving pretty well. The, the Vikings are going to score a couple of big plays. I think they're they're going to be good for one where someone from Dallas gambles or just Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen are really good. But I don't think it's going to be consistent enough to keep up with Dallas, who just has so many weapons and an incredible play caller with what I expect will be a, a hampered deck, but still a fine deck because for the most part, you just need him to be the, the good game manager that he is. Yeah, I agree. No, I think Dallas will be our fifth bet, and that makes it five pod picks. Is there anything else you want to talk about with this game? Yeah, I think I've said plenty about the Vikings this year. What with the, the uncle, with the tits, and the being smarter, they're they're not good. They're not good. They're poorly coached. They have an average at best quarterback. They're not good. The Broncos are, or the Cowboys are good. Not great, but they're good. And in this yeah, year, this year being good means you're like a top five ten team because there's not a lot of good football teams. I agree with you. I mean the 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 Cowboys are not 
incredible, but they're a good team that has been playing well recently. The Vikings are an average team to below average that hasn't really been playing well. And the the same issues that they've had since Kirk and Zimmer have been there are appearing again. So the the Vikings are a fine team, but Dallas is much better. And at a point and a half, it's just it it's relatively easy for me to go ahead and pull through. That. And luckily we got that fifth bet in because now we go to the Monday night game, which is the New York Giants going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus 10. I'm not putting the Chiefs in my parlays because I just don't trust them right now. But this is the game where they get right, if they ever get right. And they're going to they're gonna get right. They're too well coached to not get right. I, I think that this is a get right game for them. I'm not going to bet on it because I don't trust them enough. No. And I have enough other bets that I like. And it, I mean, it's a 10 point number with the team that's super hit or miss right now. And the Giants should be getting some of those uh, those offensive weapons back, which, I mean, the Chiefs are still going to win, but the Giants then have a lot of guys that they can get the ball and create big plays against a really bad defense that could, you know, open some backdoor action or just kind of keep them in the game, you know, where it's not, you know, the Chiefs are going to win, but the score is close type of thing. So I, I could very easily see that happening, and I just don't trust the Chiefs enough. I agree that this is probably where they, they get right against a bad team, and they're you know hitting that kind of middle of the season point of either we figure it out now or we pack it in. And yeah, I, If you've got the best coach in the NFL and a decent quarterback, and as much as I am down on Patrick Mahomes, he's a decent quarterback. If you've got those two things, you're fine. You will win yeah. 10 games, and that means yeah, that they have to start winning. I would still put him as a good quarterback who's just struggling right now. Yeah, I probably would too. I, I agree with you that when when you have a, a, a good quarterback or a decent quarterback with that good of a coach, that's, I mean, the, the tackles are struggling right now, but I think that it's more of a Mahomes with the tackles issue that should get cleaned up by coaching. I was going to say. It's not just the much, tackles suck. I heard somebody, I don't remember who it was. Oh, it was Steve Fezzik. Was just fucking. Oh no! It was Mike Lombardi. Mike Lombardi was fucking ripping into Orlando Brown for just getting dominated uh, on Sunday by the Titans. And I watched those sacks. Arguably, two of them for sure. One of them arguably were just Mahomes dropping way too far in the pocket. Yeah, he just isn't stepping up, and the, well, he's the also drifting. Right like his five-step drop is about as deep as an eight-step drop which doesn't exist for a reason. So when the, when the tackle pushes the end past him, you know, circling the pocket, he's pushing him right into Mahomes because Mahomes is a dumbass who doesn't understand how football is played. Yeah, and that's why I think coaching should clean that up because it's not a, a talent issue. It's not an ability thing where the tackles are just getting run right by. They're playing it how they should, and it's actually exactly how they played against the Browns. I remember that game because it was so frustrating where it looked like Miles and Clowney just ran right by the tackles. And then Mahomes would just step up into the pocket. And now Miles and Clowney are 10 yards deep behind the line of scrimmage and just, you know, ran into each other, ran a big loop, and now have to try and stop and turn back downfield. So it seems like they're just not hitting it right now, but we know they can. Again, and they I think will. This is, yeah. And it's a little bit useless right now because I'm not betting on this game. Me neither. I, I may put them in to a parlay at money line just to get some numbers. But even that, I don't, I just don't want to count on the Chiefs in their current state. Money line, though, I'd probably figure safe. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right. So I think that wraps up uh, 
this week eight slate of football. I'm going to go ahead and run through what exactly our five picks are. Yes, sir. So we've got Green Bay over Arizona plus six and a half. We've got Detroit over Philadelphia plus three and a half. Tennessee over Indianapolis money line. Chargers over New England minus five. And Dallas over Minnesota minus one and a half. Which one do you think should be our best bet? I want to say Chargers. I want to say Green Bay. I know you want to say Green Bay. You know I don't enjoy betting on Green Bay every week. I know. I, there's no team I hate more than the Packers. In Joe, any sport, I gotta be honest. I'm 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 worried that you're trying to rationalize it a little bit because you've put so much down on them. No, if you would have told me that honestly, so last week I was going through the look ahead lines and I copied this line down wrong. I had it as Green Bay minus three over Arizona. And I circled it three times because it was my favorite bet of the week. So losing Devontae Adams sucks. Let's say it's worth three points. I'm still getting about six points of value over what I thought I deserve. That's fair. And I, I do agree with you that I think the market has wildly overreacted to the wide receiver issues. I mean, it's three and a half points. And like, so like, I think that Green Bay should be a three-point favorite. And then I think that the home field advantage should drag it back to zero. But I don't think that home field advantage really exists, especially when you're playing indoors in Phoenix or not even Phoenix. Glendale. Glendale. And nobody actually lives in any of the Arizona cities. Like in aggregate, they are powerful, but they are spread out and stupid. So there's nobody there. There there are a lot of people that go to football games in Arizona. The issue (laughs) is that most of the time, the people going to the games are fans of the other team. I was going to say, I was in fucking Tucson when the Niners played against the Cardinals, and my entire plane was just everybody going to the game. Yes, because not that many people are actually from Phoenix. They've mostly moved there from other places. So they get to go see their team when they come in and play, and you just don't have that, that big of a fan base, even though it's a city with four or five million people in it. not that many are actually from there so they don't care about the sports teams so yeah i don't think home field advantage plays too much in especially because the packers travel so well especially because it just hasn't meant much this year overall yeah i honestly i expect it to be more packers fans than cardinals fans there's maybe a shot just because the cardinals are good this year and the phoenix fans do love their bandwagons but the packers fans travel incredibly well And this is an area where you already have a lot of Packers fans because people from Chicago and West retire in Phoenix. So there's there's a lot of Wisconsin stuff happening down there, too. So I think that that line's – it's fair at Green Bay minus two. Okay. You've sold me or you've just beaten me down enough that we can – I get my way. Yeah. Did you put this one as two at the beginning of the pod as well? No, but I knew I would. Like I, I, gave I don't know. You, I don't know how I feel about that dynamic, Joe. I did you the dignity of writing down one when I originally plugged it in, but in my head I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna fucking change this to two. There's no way. It's the best bet on the board. I still think the Chargers are a great bet, but I, I do too. I'd be willing to go yeah, three on Green we, Bay, two on the Chargers. Yeah, and we can we can always uh, if if we get crushed on Thursday, we can uh, go double down and try and gamble away. <laughs> the, the loss until honestly i think dallas is an amazing bet too and i'd put two units on I, that. I know that's where we're lucky is that we have three really good bets that are like spread out throughout the slates so we can play with things a little bit honestly, also i do not advocate 
betting again after you lose stuff. Uh, it's called going on tilt, and it's bad for your health. I was about to say, do we do we have the one eight hundred gambling line now too? Call one eight hundred gambler or in Indiana, it's like one eight hundred desolation. And then New Jersey has their own number, and it's like New Jersey's number doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't remember what it is, but I remember hearing it and being like, "What the fuck does that have to do with gambling?" Well, we can just break it down to uh, if if you're going on a tilt, is that the correct correct term? Going on tilt, no a, okay. no article. If you're going on tilt, look up look up your local resources. The symptoms of being addicted to gambling are not caring when you win, having no money, your girlfriend break up with you. Well, I think that's a pretty great PSA, and uh, we're we're now serving the public in two ways. We're helping them make money and saving them from themselves. Know the symptoms. Avoid the bankruptcy. Just kidding. Bet on football games. <laughs> <laughs>